0: I totally believe that I have, and everybody who's creative has the right to write songs from a totally different perspective. So I have songs that come from nothing that I've personally experienced. And that's kind of a cool exercise to try and write something from somebody else's perspective.
1: That's Mitchell, singer, songwriter, applications engineer, and handy dad. He stopped by to share some of his signature Americana with us And waxed a little poetic about guitars and collaborating. I'm Amber, and here's Angelica with our
2: weekly chat. Okay. You all tuned? Yeah. Okay. Hi, Mitch. Hi, Angelica. Thanks for joining us on Chatty Crafties, a show where I celebrate my creative friends and get inspired by everyday art. We've been friends for like maybe a decade at this point. We trade sleepovers and playdates, and our kids are in a lot of extracurricular activities together. Um, so thank you for sitting down and, you know, talking well, Thanks about, for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. So you're working on your first album. What is it called?
0: Yeah, the album's called... Forces of nature, follies of man.
2: Excellent. And what instruments do you play?
0: I play a couple different guitars, and I sing. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm playing on that on that record.
2: Who else is on it?
0: Uh, Josh Allenflowers plays bass. Eddie Dickerson plays the fiddle, and Aaron Parks plays the drums.
2: And you have been putting a lot of energy into this it seems like it's been a pretty quick process um because i've seen you play music you know as long as i've known you but it seems like there's a very specific drive to get an album out
0: yeah it's been something i've been working on for a long time the songs on it span over 10 years of songwriting (laughs) and some of them were written really recently too uh in between the first recording session and the second recording session, some of the songs were written in between, and ended up. Which on
2: was, the recording sessions were recently. So you had one a couple months ago. Yeah,
0: we had one in February, uh-huh. uh, two-day session then, and then we had a second two-day session in July. Okay. The beginning of July.
2: So, so you so. basically recorded half the album. That's right. And then the second recording session was you had six more songs or so, or.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I don't know. It was like. The album was just something that I had been thinking about and wanted to get out. And it, it, once it became clear that I was going to be doing this, I was full steam ahead. Yeah. Know? And I got a lot of help from from a lot of people and a lot of encouragement too to actually just go and do it. So uh, once that started, the encouragement to get studio time, mm-hmm. uh, I I basically bought like a little. Two channel recording interface that I could use with an iPad, and did a bunch of demo recordings by myself in the trailer behind my house, Uh and started there. Kind of got demos for most of the stuff, and and then signed up to go into the studio.
2: You wrote all of the songs, right?
0: Yeah, I wrote all the songs, the lyrics, and the guitar parts. And I didn't write parts for these for the other musicians. These guys are at the top of their game, and they're they're sharp. So they pretty much just like came in and. Professionally, made it. Okay. Made it complete with a band. Uh, we had, I think, one rehearsal for the first before the first session, and no rehearsals before the second session, and then just went in and did six songs each in two days. Holy well, smokes! Yeah, six songs in the first two-day session, six songs in the second two-day session, and
2: that is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, because sometimes I like Matt. He'll play music where it's like one song that he works on for a month. And kind of like does like kind of nails it, and then works on the next one. So it's really fascinating to see the different processes. Mm. And what is your creative process? How does a song come out of you? Yeah.
0: Uh, there's no one defined process for me. It's a lot of times some of my favorite songs that I've written come out kind of involuntarily, sort of almost like. Uh,
2: like you're possessed.
0: Yeah, sort of and not, and it's like an exorcism to get it out. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically what I'm thinking of are a few songs that just like came together song like music and lyrics in one day and kind of like maybe even one sitting and all, all of a sudden there it is, you know.
2: Yeah. And uh, do you rework those songs ever or is it like no, that's the song?
0: Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes there's lyrics that are just not don't sit right. Mm-hmm. And need to be changed a little bit. Um, but some sometimes not. There's a couple of songs. There's at least one song on the album that was exactly that that just mm-hmm. came out in one day. I was like, oh, that needed to come out. Yeah, <laughs> um,
2: definitely. But
0: that's not always the case. I mean, sometimes I'll have a, a little guitar hook or a melody or something or a progression that I've maybe been playing for years and finally stick some lyrics to it, and there it is. I think I rarely write lyrics first and then music. Usually the guitar parts are there first and then... Lyrics come afterwards,
2: so it's based on the the tune that you're hearing that like frames the writing um, that you do.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, like I'll play it over and over again, kind of, and just see what what words fit with it, the Mm -hmm. rhythm, and sort of uh, a melody fits with the progression that I'm playing or whatever.
2: Gotcha. Did you take any like songwriting classes, or how did you? Kind of no. learn to write songs.
0: I never took any songwriting classes, but I, I've been friends with and know a lot of really awesome songwriters. So, And I've always been a big fan of music, listened to a, a diversity of different kinds of music, and uh, learn things from what I hear.
2: Who are you inspired by?
0: I'm really inspired by strong vocalists and people who use voice and harmony, vocal harmony, to... Empower their empower their music because it's one voice, and then you start mixing two voices or more, and it's it just adds so much emotion to to music. So bands like uh, Shovels and Rope are that's a that's one that recently I've well recently in the past few years five years or whatever have been inspired by for sure, particularly for vocals, but all sorts of you know, I, don't know, I it's too much to list, but. Pearl Jam was has long time been my probably one of my favorite bands. Matt said he
2: could hear Pearl <laughs> Jam <jamming, laughs> in the baritone. Your music is very melancholy. Um, do you feel like that is an accurate representation of? the themes of what you're writing right now or is it you know maybe one or two songs or do you feel like there's some other theme that you really identify with
0: yeah no it's it's definitely more than one or two songs yeah <laughs> you're right uh, I don't know if melancholy is if I've ever thought that independently of my own music it makes sense and yes it is I, w- I would describe it as, my music is dark for sure okay and the subject matter that I write about and yeah some of it is really melancholy in the, in the feeling and the emotion that it has. Uh, but yeah, no, it's pretty dark. And I think that that's because the I'm trying to, those are the things that I want to express and externalize and don't want to just keep inside of me or whatever. So I definitely have like 10 dark songs for every happy song that I write.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> um, if I can even think of a happy song <laughs> that I've written. <laughs> no, there, there, there's a few, there's a few.
2: So what happens to you emotionally when you play? How is it this catharsis, this mm. exorcism?
0: When I play, it's it's just me playing music, and I, I'm not thinking about anything else. So it it really does kind of like remove me from what's going on in my day to day life, or what whatever I would be preoccupied in my mind going over and thinking about. It. It's the same. Way as like reading a book, a fiction novel, or something like that, can completely transport me into that world, and you know, it's you know better than watching television or a movie. It's like that, it's really a way of changing where you are. Music does the same thing for me.
2: How do you feel afterwards?
0: Pretty good, yeah. I mean, sometimes time just passes. And I'm like, well, oh, that's that's great or whatever. Uh, music can really help me. Recenter myself if I'm having a bad day or in a real funk, sort of help me get back to a good place.
2: Yeah. Do you like playing in front of people?
0: I really do. Yeah. And I've done it, you know, off and on in various different forms mm-hmm. over the years since I was a kid. Uh, I started playing violin when I was in sixth grade. And
2: so did you know, I. Oh, <laughs> did you? Yeah. Oh. Awesome. Yeah, I still have it somewhere. I'm not at all good. I just have a violin.
0: <laughs> I wish that we had kept mine because we, you know, we rented a violin for me to play for years, six or seven years probably. I never bought it. I was hmm. like, why didn't you buy that?
2: Do you still play? Or if you got one, would you kind of sink right in and like figure it out? Like, is it similar enough to guitar? Oh, to yeah. Kind of-
0: well, I did. I don't remember whether I rented one or what happened, but in college, I took some private lessons and played. Oh. And played in the college like orchestra. So did you? That was pretty you? fun. I did, yeah. Not college here. This was the first time I was in college in Colorado Springs. Right. Um, I played a little bit there for maybe two semesters or something okay. like that.
2: Okay. I just didn't Not in any that.
0: real serious way. But I still didn't have a violin after that, and I didn't have one for over 10 years, but after we recorded the first six songs in february and Eddie just blew me away with his amazing fiddle playing i was like why haven't i gotten a, a violin by now like what cuz i'd thought about it for years so i wouldn't i wouldn't bought Did one. You? so i have one now uh, yeah. and yes i do i do play that's it's awesome. a lot of fun that's
2: awesome oh i'm so glad to hear that um, so when you're in but, front of people
0: oh yeah Yeah, I was just just thinking about, like, where did we come from to talk about that? Playing in front of people. So, you know, my family would be like, oh, play us a little song, Mitch. Uh, And Mm -hmm. I'd give little middle school boy performances for my family and be real nervous about it and that sort of thing. And then play with the orchestra. And that was always a really amazing experience for me to be, like, one piece in this orchestra of 50 people or more. And to hear the sound that we all created from our individual pieces always really sort of overwhelmed me—not overwhelmed me, but filled me with a lot of pride and just amazement that wow, we're all making this music together. So that was really, that was really cool performing with the middle school and high school orchestras and Albuquerque Youth Orchestra Youth Symphony. I didn't begin performing individually like on guitar until. After college, so maybe around 2004, 2005, and I started with an open mic, I remember. I played one of the songs that ended up on the album, actually, uh, at this open mic.
2: It sounds like you have this real um, affinity for collaboration. If you were talking about like harmonizing voices and being in this orchestra, there's something about the group dynamic that does something for you. Is that accurate?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, making music with other people is really cool. Uh, I've been playing a lot of individual shows here lately, just with my guitar, and it's it's fun. But when you play with other people and you they add that sound, it just like it it's more than the sum of the parts put together. It's it's something else entirely. And playing with rhythms and harmonies and melodies you get a lot more opportunity to do that with other people and i, I really like that
2: mm-hmm. so. what does it mean to you that your son oliver from episode 16 likes to play music
0: i love it he he'll just walk around the house i have these all these instruments laying around so he can just he and lily both can just walk up and pick one up and start playing uh, it means it means a lot to me, you know. I mean, it's something that I obviously care deeply about, and if he does too, that's something we haven't something we have in common, and I can help him and her, you know, learn about and cultivate an appreciation for.
2: Yeah, I think that's really special.
0: It's pretty fun. Sometimes he'll just he'll <laughs> just in there by himself. He'll just be jamming out, you know. He he doesn't really form any chords on the guitar or the ukulele, but he'll he'll strum it and sing and his singing is really good and he's got a good sense of rhythm too so and uh, yeah. yeah i wa- went into the living room the other day and lily had one of my guitars and a harmonica in a you know the neck harmonica stand and she was just jamming away
2: really yeah
0: oh my i could God. i took a picture of that i have i can send to you
2: yeah you should that is super cute do y'all play together
0: we not as much as i want to i should i would like to cultivate that a little bit more
2: mhm It's a good intention to set.
0: They've been really asking me to buy them a violin, too. Oh. They want to play my violin. And I'm like, you actually need one that's half as... No, I do let them touch it, but it's too big for them. They need a smaller one. Oh, gotcha. But they make violins in all sorts of different sizes. They make... I don't know what the smallest one is, but they, they make them tiny.
2: Yeah. Are any of your instruments kind of precious where you don't feel comfortable with them playing it? Or are you like, no, anything. Touch it. Get involved.
0: At this point, they're I mean they're pretty responsible and they're pretty with it. Uh, I'm pretty much okay with them touching any of them. but yeah, I definitely have instruments that I would that I consider precious, you know. I bought a guitar last year, which is like it's a lap acoustic steel guitar and um, that's one of my favorite ones. But I, I do have some old ones. The, f- the first acoustic guitar I bought, I still have, but it's in Albuquerque with my sister.
2: She's mm-hmm. got it. Do you get different feelings? Maybe this is just someone asking who does not play instruments. Like, holding different ones, maybe the tone of it might inspire you to play in a different way, but like, do you get different feelings emotionally from holding one versus the other? Like a nostalgia or you know comfort or... I don't know.
0: In a way, maybe. Uh, definitely, I appreciate the tone of different guitars. Um, for instance, on the on the album, I played all the guitar all my guitar parts except for the ones that were on the the lap steel, with the guitar that he had at the studio that the engineer had at the studio. It was an old Gibson, and I can't tell you the model or a year, but. It was an amazing guitar, and he was like, "You want to play this?" And as soon as I picked it up and started playing it, I was like, "Yes, yes, I will play this. <laughs> Thank you." <laughs> I
2: will indeed play your guitar.
0: But it more than it wasn't so much a emotional reaction mm-hmm. as it was like this sounds really good. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's more like that.
2: Sure, let's give one of the tunes a listen. Um, do you have a preference? Or are you all right with?
0: Well, you you said you guys listen to him all, so I'm yeah. kind of curious as to what you want to listen to.
2: Okay. I liked Bend or Break. You ready, Mitch? I'm ready. All right, all right let's do it.
3: lucky to find love once in a lifetime at least the love that can work most people try it open their hearts many who try it get I started to say That I need the freedom To live how I want to Not to lose you To have it that way
0: What made you choose that song to listen to? Request that song.
2: Um, it made me nostalgic for something. It made I, I really liked the clarity of the recording, number one. Um, but the song made me sad. <laughs> I think I said to Matt several times when we were listening to it earlier, I was like, this is just so sad. And I feel like you tapped into something so, like, purely, like I said, melancholy that I really just wanted to, like, wallow in it for a little bit. Mm. Um, What did you feel writing this song or playing this song?
0: Yeah, it definitely was an expression of sadness and is definitely one of the candidates for what I was talking about earlier where, you know an expression of something to, to get it out. And uh, it's also about, it's, it's, it, it's a song that doesn't draw any conclusions necessarily. Right. It's sort of like, it's about possibilities. and uh,
2: Which way is this going to go?
0: Right. And it's about choices too, you know. You have to make choices in love and in life. And they can, you know, result in happy or sad outcomes. And so that's sort of where I was going with it, and I, I was intentional, intentionally not trying to draw any conclusions with it, just to be like, here's something to think about,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: and to reflect on, and something that comes from, you know, my own personal feelings, but also s- something probably a lot of people can relate to.
2: Yeah, know? definitely. Um, how often do you practice?
0: That's very dependent on what all is going on in my life, which is pretty busy, because with two kids, as you know,
2: yeah,
0: uh, there's a lot going on. I usually pick up the guitar and play something every day, mm-hmm. or the violin these days.
2: So you'll kind of noodle around at home, and then you set aside time to do open mics still. Mm-hmm. And we saw you a couple of weeks ago at Brentwood Social House, and it sounds like you have another show coming up.
0: Yeah, I have another show at Brentwood Friday, August thirty first, from uh, <laughs> I think it's seven to nine p.m.
2: And it's a very kid friendly place. Oh, They've got absolutely. snacks and coffee and stuff like that.
0: They have a whole room dedicated to kids. Yes, with, and a whole out- backyard, outdoor backyard play we-
2: space. Yeah, so that's a really fun place to like come as a family and then listen to you play your tunes. And you work through your album usually, right? Or is it different every time?
0: I have been lately because I've been kind of planning for having a you know like a big CD, CD release show when the album artwork is finished and the tracks are all mixed and I have actual CDs and on you know an online distribution. Then I want to have a, a really big CD release party, and I've been thinking that it would be a good format to play to hire the same band that recorded with me to play at the show and to play this album in album order
3: at Oh, the okay. Show. So, uh-huh.
0: uh, so, yeah, the last couple times I played at Brentwood, which is mostly where I play these days because I got started with a, a really cool open mic there um, and then just started working into playing my own shows too. So the last couple shows and probably on Friday, I've been sticking to that format with other songs but playing the album through in what I am thinking, will be the album order.
2: Gotcha. When do you anticipate the album being completed?
0: I don't know. I think it's going to be ready in September.
2: Oh, okay. But
0: I don't know when I'll have actual printed CDs and... I mean, printed CDs, who even has a CD player anymore? I don't. But I'm totally going to get some anyway.
2: Okay, you should. (laughs) (laughs) What else are you into creatively?
0: Mostly it's music these days, um, but... One really fun thing that I've been doing lately and trying to do more of, um, specifically with my wife Sarah, is to get together and draw or paint. Uh, we've done some watercolor painting and some drawing, and she's super crafty and has all sorts of interests and artistic outlets and also a lot of really cool supplies, and she has like a, a lot of things to draw upon, so she has really good books. And when it comes to drawing, I am not... A great drawer but you give me a step-by-step book that's like how yeah. to draw <laughs> then i can i can manage and so that's yeah. been really that's been really fun
2: oh i like that you're also handy and build things um we used to work yes. together i don't know eight or nine years ago maybe longer um when i was a landscape designer and you worked on the build team with matt yes. um so that do was you, a great time yeah it's hot out there <laughs> yeah. when you do that full time it sure was um do you still feel like you have time to be handy or
0: More so than I ever was in the past. There's certain things where I'm like I would rather just hire somebody to yeah. do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's rare compared to you know my impulse to do it myself. And so yeah, I do. I mean, I fix stuff around the house and uh, I like to I do like to do creative building for sure. And I haven't had much of an opportunity to do that since but I did learn how to weld there, and so mm-hmm. and I developed a good appreciation for for doing that. And yeah, so yeah, my my construction and building activities these days are mostly related to fixing things,
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and
0: less so about um, you know just making something for for the fun of it or for the artistic value of it. Mm-hmm. But I have done a few things like that as gifts. Um, I get these interesting pieces of wood and make you know, boxes out of them or um, something like that. My mom's partner, Dave, gives me these interesting gifts that are made out of wood. He's given me at least two or three of them at this point. And one of them was this stump thing, hollowed-out stump that was, you know, like a wastebasket size, like a you'd have at your desk. But it had this weird wavy outline on the outside, so I, like, traced. I made a lid for it, basically. Oh. Uh, a hinged lid and I was actually, gave it to Sarah. I was thinking she could put like sewing stuff in it or whatever. But the kids just put whatever they want in it now.
2: <laughs> They'll just put their junk everywhere. <laughs> oh my God, you sound exactly like my dad right now. <laughs> and I say that because lately he's been making boxes. Huh. Um, just like Ansley likes to put things in boxes, just mm-hmm. like rocks and her crap. And so he's been making the girls these like special lids that slide off. And so he thinks about the wood and he saves the wood from like little projects. He'll just have scraps that he has saved for three years specifically for whatever project.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. My grandfather used to make, he used to get old cigar boxes and, Mm -hmm. you know, sand them and finish them and put felt in them and give them to me. So I have a bunch of those still. That's pretty cool.
2: Oh man. That's so fun. Oh, yo. Uh, Amber, do you have any questions? Yo! Here, come on over here.
1: Hey, we've got some questions for me, producer. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Excellent. So, New segment. So I have some
1: questions about, like, creative um, sticking points. So when you're marketing yourself, as you're going to start doing pretty heavily, um, how, do you, how does that make you feel as as an artist do you feel like it's easy that you can just say hey this this is the shit like do you believe in your in your work so much that you can say oh yeah here you go is that is there some kind of conflict for you handing your stuff to someone and saying like here you go you're gonna love it what's your what's the mitch pitch
0: yeah <laughs> no no i don't really feel um and i just recorded this album i think it's great and it's uh, got an americana kind of feel and
2: americana that's the word i've been trying Amer- to think of <laughs> what a word
0: I do have a lot of confidence about it and a lot of pride in this recording so I feel I feel really good about that. I have never been I've never been particularly inclined to to sell myself strongly. And the idea of promoting you know my own st- my own music or promoting myself seems kind of like work to me, you know. And so I understand that I ha- that I'm going to have to do it, but it's not n- my favorite aspect of this this business um of creating music and putting it out there for people part of it's just my by nature i mean i i very rarely participate in s- social media and that sort of thing and that's that's you you have to to promote music these days so i'm going to be kind of getting out of my comfort zone a little bit to do promotion
1: good you should be <laughs> i mean yeah i don't think it's comfortable to to brand yourself but So you're planning to do a listening party, which I think is great, playing it in order. I think really it tells the audience like, hey, I made a project and it has a beginning, middle and an end. And Mm -hmm. this is how I created it. Yeah. How do you feel about people listening to it out of order?
0: Oh, fine. I mean, I listen to it all the time out of order on on my own. And uh, it does, I think, more so than I even intended. I didn't go into the project thinking like, well, I did want to make a cohesive work, but I didn't have an order in mind or even like a definitive theme necessarily, it just sort of came together by all these songs that I chose and how they fit together and sort of how the themes interacted with each other. And there was the first song and the last song were, once I listened to the rough tracks after we recorded them, they were immediately identifiable to me as the first and last songs for the album there was no question about that for me um, the rest of them kind of just you know i, I spent a little bit of time thinking about how to intersperse them that sort of thing and so it it is a cohesive work and something that i feel feel like flows really well in the order that i'm going to release it but listening to it out of order is fine too because each song is also its own its own thing
1: sure so forces of nature follies of man how did you arrive at that title
0: Originally there was some songs that ended up that I ended up cutting or not recording that had a little bit more of like natural disaster like natural forces more actual forces of nature sort of themes going on and follies of man came about because a lot of these songs are very personal very emotional and about Love, which is just riddled with folly, uh, for probably just about everybody. And so this, and love in and of itself in relationships and human interaction is both. It's, it it bo- feels to me like a force of nature and and like I said folly you know and it's follies of people.
2: Yeah, yeah. Nicely put.
0: I had a band with two brothers and myself, who are still really good friends of mine. In fact, one of them just moved to Austin, and I've been playing some music with him, mostly playing violin with his original songs. Uh, So we had a band called Cape Town in Albuquerque, and I was sort of... I wouldn't be who I am today as a musician without that experience. We played for four years, four or five years, and... Before we moved, before Sarah and I moved to Austin from Albuquerque, we did a two nights show performance at this performance space called The Stove in Albuquerque, and had that recorded both nights. And so we have a live album that's of that, of one of those nights, which is, it's imperfect, but something that I'm also really proud of. Yeah. And it was fun.
2: Fun to go back and listen to those for sure. It
0: really is. Yeah, I still do.
2: Yeah. Do you feel
1: like there's magic? In a live performance, that you just can't capture in the studio.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, in a live performance, it is what you are playing at that moment, and you know you can't really like stop and fix anything. In in the studio, I know. Uh, eventually, I would like to go into the studio someday and record another album in more of a live manner. There's one song on on this on this album, Forces of Nature, that uh, we did basically do that all live in one take. I mean, we did multiple takes, but the song ends up being one take with the exception of the vocals, which I overdubbed sec- afterward. But the all the instruments were recorded in one take on that. But all the rest of them were tracked, multi-tracked.
2: Oh, okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you have any uh, stuff that you've been working on, some progressions or something that are in your head at this moment that you want to churn out for us?
0: Um... It's kind of a song in progress. That's, pr- that's pretty much all there is to that one for now. There's some there's some lyrics and stuff too, but uh I'm trying to think, I don't know.
1: So was the chord progression was just in your head, or did you sort of, did it just tumble out?
0: Yeah, that's a chord progression that's been in my head for a long time. We just recently started writing lyrics to it. What was going on with that one is he, I just played the progression, he kind of just came up with the first verse, basically. And then that was kind of the end of it for a little while. And then I came up with another verse and a possible chorus. So I don't think we even wrote any of it down. <laughs> we just... Uh,
2: Worked through it. hmm
1: Yeah. If there were one song off the album that survived a, an apocalypse, what would you want it to be?
0: Like like the studio hard drive crashed or something and only one of them yeah. was backed up. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow, that's a tough question.
1: That's like a snapshot of you as an artist.
0: Yeah. That's a really hard question to answer. But... Um, I think probably Meet Me Halfway.
1: Is that your artistic title? (laughs) (laughs) That was was the trick. I was trying to trick you into
0: answering that. (laughs) So that's the last song on the album. Oh, okay. Probably like the most personal song. Um, The other one, though, there was a toss-up about what what I I was thinking of was... um, Hold me close, which is the first song, <laughs> the first song and last song. Those are both the, the two that I probably I would want one of those ones saved. Actually, about that, uh, what would you what did you call it? My
1: your Mitch pitch? No, no, <laughs> not the Mitch pitch. We <laughs> <The, laughs> just got oh, all sorts of what the artistic identity. Yeah, yeah. Then... I
0: contacted you earlier this week and asked for help with this. Yes, cathartic. I got a suggestion from a friend that sort of mold around and I think might might work. Um, Hacksaw Poet. poet.
1: <gasps> Oh, yeah. It's just so glittery. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's great.
0: That image of Hacksaw Poet, it's rough, rough around the edges and kind of, you know, it's got a little bit of violence to it. And uh, I identify with it because, you know, I'm because I am a handyman and, you know, saws and tools are definitely part of it a part of my life, but also, you know, I'm not using language in any kind of pretty Mm -hmm. academic way. It's just kind of like, uh, it's a little bit more rough. And, uh, also in some ways what I'm doing with music is like hacking things out of myself.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope they put that on your tombstone. (laughs) <laughs> so it's pretty hardcore so
2: it's a pretty nice title yeah oh i love it thanks
0: yeah i credit justin with that helping me come up with that one
2: y'all co-wrote it yes <laughs> indeed thanks justin <laughs> yeah awesome well we have a question of the week oh i've been real yeah. bad about it i've i got what out would of you, order. what would you
1: ask uh is there any kind of specific question that you run into as an artist or as a musician?
0: Are you asking me what I would ask from other people about that?
1: Yeah, like is have you run into a question in your own process where you're like, Does other do other people do this? Do they have an easier time with this than I do? Am I missing something? Something like that, or it hmm. doesn't have to be that, but
0: I guess I'm I'd be curious to ask people how do you introduce more diversity into your subject matter? Oh. <laughs> because I feel like I get stuck in, you know, dark Themes.
2: Yeah, that's a good one. uh,
0: How do you write love songs? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) not that I haven't written love songs. I have a few, but not as many as I do sort of like, yeah, melancholy, mm, dark stuff. Dark matter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, dark matter.
2: Well, thank you, Mitch. And thanks to our listeners. And we hope you'll stay tuned for more episodes of Chatty Crafties. You can see Mitchell live this Friday, August
1: 31st, from 7 to 9 p.m. at Brentwood Social House, right here in Austin. Bring your kids, because there's lots of indoor and outdoor fun, and it's not like they've ever seen a lap steel before. Have you ever played a lap steel? It's like nothing else. I'm not saying I'm good at it, but if you can, go watch how it's done. So, find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, and answer our question of the week. How do you introduce more diversity into your subject matter? Personally, I like to subscribe to new podcasts. It really stirs the pot. So if it's convenient, subscribe to our show on Google Play or iTunes. We'd like that. All music today provided by Mitchell Crooks. This episode was produced by me, Amber Moreno, and hosted by my crafty comrade, Angelica Norton, right here at Open Envelope Studio. Thanks for listening. Now go introduce some diversity into your subject matter. Is
3: it too much to-